Hello, this is Joss Golden, and this is the Primal Alternative Podcast. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. You're listening to the Primal Alternative Podcast, inspiration for your evolution. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, episode 106. And this one is a little bit extra special for me because it is with Joss Golden, who is one of my best friends. And she also just happens to be an aware parenting instructor. So she's a parenting coach and mentor and basically supports families to create more connection, awareness, and joy in parenting. How good's that? She's a level two aware parenting instructor certified with the Aware Parenting Institute, and she's been practicing this style of parenting for 17 years. She's also a mum to children aged 19 and 17 and has been such an awesome help for me on my parenting journey because, let's face it, none of us get a guidebook when we become mothers and parents. And I always knew I wanted to do it a certain way, but I wasn't quite sure how. And you're always really worried that you're not going to teach your kids right from wrong and you're not going to discipline them enough or at all or whatever. And your husband's telling you that it's all a bit fluffy and airy fairy and not going with any of that hippie new age nonsense. (laughs) All right. So some of that's a bit of a generalization, but if you're chuckling along, then you will relate. And Joss has helped me with my teenagers. So I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old now, very lucky to have those beautiful babies. And yeah, just Joss has really encouraged me to spend a lot more special time with my kids, more one-on-one time. So how that looks um, for Sam and I, we have Sam and Mam Day where we take a day off school and we go out and do something really fun. So it's usually something that he wants to do. So over the time it's been going to watch him at the skate park Uh, It's been going, jumping off rocks that I would normally never dare jump off, but he encourages me to do it. Uh, So he's got the, he's the big powerful one and I'm like, do it, Sam. And sometimes it's going out for lunch. Sometimes it's going for a massage or um, something nice and relaxing like that. Uh, He's my like, he's my spa uh, person, my spa plus one to go and do cool things like that with. And it's just a really nice opportunity for him to know that I want to spend time with him. It gives me a good reason to have a break from work as well, to get out and do things like this that my husband wouldn't want to do any of those things with me, you know? So, and it's just really meant that navigating those teenage years have been a lot more easy because we have this connection. He knows he can talk to us. He knows there's unconditional love. He's not going to be punished for any behavior or anything he says. And, you know, it's not perfect. There's definitely ups and downs. Even just this weekend was quite stressful. (laughs) But overall, it's a really awesome approach that I love and wanted to share with you. So this one is for all my parents, all my mums and dads out there, or people who look after children or their primary caregivers this is for you. And what we cover on the podcast today is what exactly is aware parenting and how is it all about uh, uh, getting those deep connected relationships and, and how you do it and how it's okay for us not to be perfect and that 
this journey is just as much about looking after our children as it is about having awareness and compassion and empathy for ourselves um, and really being mindful of our own childhood wounds and yeah, just getting that support for ourselves so that we can, yeah, be aware parents ourselves. So it's a beautiful conversation. Joss explains it much better than me. So without further ado, let's dive straight into the show. So Joss, so cool to have you on the show. Let's dive in with what you had for breakfast. So today, I don't generally eat breakfast. I'm not very hungry. And it's a bit of a hang up from the days when I was doing lots of intermittent fasting. So I don't generally eat till about 1231-ish. And today, I had this sushi bowl thing that my daughter and I have started making together. So it's just like sushi rice with tuna and some chili and some sesame and some soy wrapped up in little bits of, um, you know, seaweed. And some water. That was it. Sounds yum. Sounds good. So I am so stoked to have you on the podcast today because you have introduced me to something which has really changed my life in terms of parenting, which is aware parenting. So let's start with what is aware parenting and how does it prioritize creating those deep connected relationships within families? I'd love to hear your insights and kind of like the key principles that define this approach? Sure. Well, it's uh, something that I'm super passionate about, so I love talking about it. So, yes, I think I'd love to start off by saying that often when people get advice or give advice for parents, often when parents receive information about parenting, it can generate feelings of, of guilt or shame or you know, self-judgment and harshness about having done it wrong, in inverted commas, And I'd really love to start off by saying that the point with aware parenting is not to raise perfect children who are always perfectly behaved. And it's certainly not about being a perfect parent either. It's this beautiful framework for navigating the ups and downs of life and always prioritizing connection and close relationships with our children. So I'd love to start there. So if anybody listens to this podcast and finds themselves going into self-judgment or shame or anything like that about what they've done in their families up till now, I'd love to really encourage you to put down any of those sticks, as Marion Rose calls them, any of those guilt sticks, and instead to really be compassionate with yourself that, and to really appreciate that we're all always doing the best we can uh, with what we know at the time. And it's never too late to start with aware parenting and it's still very powerful. So that being said, aware parenting is a way of raising our children that was developed by Dr. Aletha Salter, who is a developmental psychologist and an expert on attachment and trauma and non-punitive discipline. And it's a way of raising our children in a way that, as I said, prioritizes connection and relationships. It has this basic understanding that children are good and always born as good humans. They don't need to be taught how to behave properly, but they do need the right conditions and ingredients to support them to be balanced and cooperative and calm and loving. And there's three main aspects to aware parenting. The first is an attachment style parenting approach, which means that we are prioritizing closeness and physical 
connection throughout our children's lives from when they're babies. Obviously, it's like lots of prolonged breastfeeding where possible, close sleeping if that works for your family, carrying your children, having lots of close physical contact and this sort of prompt, attuned relationship. And as our kids get older, we continue to prioritize that. So the first aspect is always about connection and doing what we can to support our children to feel close and loved and connected to us. The second aspect is around non-punitive discipline, which means not having punishments or rewards in the family. And instead, we are looking to have respectful conversations, peaceful conflict resolution, and looking that um, looking always underneath behavior. So we can see that when our child is behaving in a way that we're finding difficult, it's always because they're trying to communicate a very legitimate need or or to convey some feelings that they have. And so it's not that children behave in ways that are difficult because they're naughty or because they don't understand how to behave or because there's something wrong with them or because there's something wrong with you as a parent. It's rather that our children have a very legitimate reason for behaving in that way. So we're looking underneath behavior to see what their needs might be, whether they might need some more information to understand things in more detail with more clarity. So, you know, classic example is a child running into the road because they don't understand that the road isn't safe. They need more information to understand that. And then their behavior is likely to be cooperative and they won't run into the road. We're also looking at, yeah, their needs. And I think it's really misunderstood in our culture that children have very legitimate needs beyond food and safety and so on, but they actually have very high needs for autonomy, for choice, for agency, for connection. And we live in a culture where adultism is very rife. And so children often most days experience powerlessness and being told what to do by adults. And so, yeah, they they have very legitimate needs for for lots of different things. And if if your um, listeners are interested in learning more about needs, I really recommend the needs inventory on the Center for Nonviolent Communication website that goes into all of these sort of essential human needs, many of which get unmet for our children. So we're looking behind their behavior to see what their needs might be and finding ways to try to meet their needs. And... Um, And yeah, the peaceful conflict resolution is a really important part of that. And Dr. Salter has this beautiful quote where she says, the sign of a healthy family is not one that's free of conflict. It's one where conflict that inevitably comes up again and again in our lives, where it's handled in a way that leaves everybody feeling loved. So that's the real essence of, of that aspect. And the third aspect is an understanding that all children will experience stress and trauma whether that's big, major traumatic events that we all understand as trauma, such as you know being in a war zone, looking at what's going on in the world now, or even you know being in a family where there's significant medical issues, or or where there's divorce, or, or any of those big and complex and challenging experiences, or it could also be the day to day small things that happen in our children's lives that are that are experienced by our children as being threatening and uncomfortable, and that we also have these powerful innate healing mechanisms to be able to release stress and trauma from our bodies, provided that we're supported to do so with love and closeness and connection from our parents or another caregiver. And those mechanisms are crying with loving support, having tantrums and rages, and laughter and certain types of play. 
So these are the, are the main things. But the essential themes are around compassion and connection, um, understanding that we will all have times when we can't be the parent that we want to be, when we respond harshly to our children, when our parents' voice comes out of our mouths and we suddenly find ourselves yelling or shouting. You know, all of these times where often parenting feels very overwhelming for all of us. And when that happens, we can rewind, we can repair, we can rebuild connection, we can apologize to our children and we can make it good again, rebuild that bridge. Um, it's about encouraging our children to be really deeply connected to their authentic selves and to know that um, whoever they are, however they behave in the world, they're always deserving of love from us. And if we're acting in ways that are unloving, that's our stuff that's coming up and we will always reach out and try to let them know it's not their fault and that we love them regardless of how they're behaving. And yeah, being attuned all the time, as much as we can anyway, into how we think our children are feeling and how we what we think their needs might be so that we can be supporting them as best we can. So that's the basic sort of summary of it. There's also nine principles to uh, aware parenting, or maybe 10 actually, um, which go into things like how children learn best and how we can support that, um, more about not having rewards or punishments in the family and, and how else we can support our children and around parents as well, getting meet, ensuring that we take time to prioritize meeting our own needs because we can't do this kind of thing if, if we're empty. And also understanding that our own pain and trauma and stress will be touched again and again in the parenting journey and that it is crucially important for us to be getting support with that in order for us to be then raising our children in this way. So you said creating strong connections with our kids is at the heart of aware parenting. Can you share some practical strategies or techniques that parents can implement in their daily lives to get those meaningful connections with their children? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, often I just ask myself with my children, um, you know, what, what would it sound like or what would it look like now to offer connection to them? And you know, whether that's in, in a big way or just in a small way. So that can be a really helpful place to start because often in parenting situations come up and we just think, oh my God, I, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to respond. What do I do? And if we're learning new ways of being in parenting, often we might get a bit tongue-tied about what are the right words to say and so on. So just coming back to that basic about how would it how could I offer them connection in this moment can be a really helpful place to start. But I think the most important thing is learning how to listen. And we don't really know how to listen very well because most of us weren't listened to. And most of us still aren't listened to. And so it's really learning to uh, just to hold space and to be receptive to whatever it is our children are trying to tell us. And so often when our children are expressing, expressing big feelings, we might go into like trying to distract them or trying to fix it or trying to minimize it and suggest there's nothing wrong. Don't make a fuss. That's so little. Why are you making such a big deal about that? Or any of those sorts of responses that we often just go straight into. And instead, there's immense power in just saying, wow, yeah, that sounds really hard. Tell me more. What else? I'm here. I'm listening. 
and really just listening. So less is more, really, when it comes to talking to our children from us. And so we're just trying to hold that space without distractions, without punishments, without you know blaming or shaming or judging or criticizing or advising. So often when our children come to us with problems, particularly as they go into the teenage years, we're like, oh, I've got the perfect answer for you that would sort out this problem completely. But really when we do that, when we hold space, it allows our children firstly to offload all those feelings, to feel really close to us, to feel like we care deeply about them and, and, and how they feel matters. And they learn to really trust themselves to find their own solutions so that we don't need to be solving things for them. We just need to be giving them our loving attention so that they can solve things for themselves. And of course, there are times when we do need to come together and have conversations and come up with solutions together. But that's a very different thing to saying, oh, well, you know what you should do is this. So I think that's a really beautiful place to start. I think other things that are really important is not having punishments in our home. As soon as we go into punishment, our children won't any longer experience our relationship as being an emotionally safe one. And it has to feel emotionally safe for them to be able to share really authentically with us and to feel really, truly connected to us. So, you know, when we find ourselves going into punishments, just yeah, if, especially if this is something new to you, is there a way that you can stop and and instead come back to having respectful conversations where everybody listens to everybody else. That might be in something like family meetings where we have, again, you sit down and you have really democratic conversations. Everybody in the family, no matter how old you are, has a voice, has an opinion, and has the chance to express it and to have that heard and to know that their voice matters. Um and, and then you have these sort of collaborative conversations when you're facing challenges where, yeah, you, you everybody gets to share what they're feeling and everybody gets to contribute to solutions. Um, bringing in lots of games and fun and particularly one of the things that we have in, in Aware Parenting, which I know that's something that you really love too, Helen, is having this concept of special time also known as non-directive child-centered play. But this is time that we spend with our children. It doesn't have to be hours on end, but where we give them our undivided attention and they get to choose what we do and we just follow their lead. So it might be just 10 minutes a couple of times a week where you put your phone down and if your phone rings, you don't answer it and you just give your sort of delight and love and attention to your children. And that might also be like day together day where you go off and you spend a whole day with your child and they get to choose within reason what you're doing and you're just enjoying each other's company and hanging out and having fun. It might be games which are other games that are particularly helpful are games where children get to feel powerful and we get to be the weaker one. So it might be pillow fights where they knock you over or it might be chasing after a little child and saying, I'm going to catch you and never quite managing to catch them. It might be, you know, pushing games as well where they we used to play this great game where my kids would try and push me off the bed. <laughs> and onto the floor and I would try and push them off and I would sometimes nearly get them on the floor and then they would rescue each other and pull themselves back onto the bed and I always ended up on the floor and I was always <laughs> you know mock complaining about how unfair it was that yet again I was on the floor but these kind of examples are really beautiful for creating that connection and also giving our children this really important sense of power and competence which and to counter again some of that adultism I was talking about at the beginning Lots of physical closeness and affection. So 
even if you know when your children are little lots of cuddles and lots of you know baby massage maybe when they're little um it could be you know snuggling up in bed with them it might be sitting down to watch a movie together but you know curled up with each other as our kids get older often like my children now are 19 about to be 20 and 17 and often I go to bed before them and so you know before I go to bed going into their room making time to cuddle and connect and give them a kiss and you know all of that physical closeness and affection that we need we we yearn we crave and I remember reading this thing once that said, if your kids give you a cuddle, don't be the first to let go. So Mm. (laughs) just cuddle them. And um, I think sometimes our children ask for connection with us and sometimes we misunderstand what they're asking for. So increasingly to try to see those those requests from them for connection and, and to meet them. So if you're in the middle of doing something and they want to connect, can you just put it down and go and connect with them and come back to that later? And of course, sometimes we can't because we're overwhelmed and so on. But when we can, it's, it's really lovely. And um, having our homes as really safe spaces where our children can ask us any questions that there's nothing that's off the table. And again, that can be quite hard for us. We might need to be getting some listening and support for what comes up for us if we are finding ourselves a bit scared or stressed or worried about what our kids are asking us. But that also produces a really beautiful relationship and and a safe space so that as our kids get older, they will come and share with us all the big things that they need our advice and sharing on. So that's also very important. And I think just this cultivating trust which is, again, quite a hard thing for us to do because most of us weren't raised with trust and most of us didn't have relationships where we could really trust our parents to be on our side. But cultivating this um, is so, so important so that they learn that they can trust us and they learn that they can trust themselves too. And of course, you know, all of these things around listening to feelings. So if our kids come with us, come to us with big feelings, even if we think it's about something ridiculous that they're upset about, just putting that to one side and offering them our attention and our space and our, our presence and our understanding and our acknowledgement. Oh, sweetheart, that sounds so hard. Tell me more. What else? That allows our kids to to get all of the stress and the tension out of their bodies. And I mean, I imagine that people listening to your show know a lot about stress and the impact of stress on health and on our gut health and our immunity and, and all of those kind of things. So it's it's really, really important to be you know, offering these spaces for our kids to feel safe, to feel heard, to feel seen, to feel unconditionally loved as much as possible, and to feel like we actually enjoy being with them and want to be with them. You're so nice. And you mentioned they touched a little bit on overwhelm and I'm nodding along because, oh, they always want to talk to you about something when you're in the middle of something else. It always just seems to be the way and it can be a little overwhelming. But self-care, especially for mums, is really essential, as we know, but it's often overlooked. So how do you inspire mums to prioritise self-care in all the hustle of parenting? And are there any specific self-care practices that you find particularly effective so that when our kids are coming to us and sharing that we don't sort of go off into the, you know, the the kind of like stress response of, of fight or flight and sort of act in a way that we perhaps wouldn't want to? Yeah, I know. I mean, and that comes up again and again for all of us, doesn't it? And mm. 
I think a nice place to start around self-care is to re-remind ourselves again and again that the way that we are trying to raise our children in our nuclear families or often in single parent families is just not how we were evolved to live at all. And if you imagine the whole of human history as being in an hour, all sort of 200, 250,000 years as being represented in one hour, it's only the last five minutes that we've been living in this sort of modern industrial way in our culture. Prior to that, we lived in communities where we had 40, 50, 60 other adults surrounding us all the time whose primary focus and concern was about the well-being and survival of the tribe. And so our children's needs were being met by multiple different adults with whom they had close, connected relationships. And the work and mundane boring stuff of mothering and fathering was shared. And so now we see ourselves doing this in isolation, in our homes, by ourselves, without the support we need, without the hands-on support of others. Many of us don't have family nearby. And so, of course, no wonder it's really difficult. No wonder we have times when we're overwhelmed no wonder we have times where we aren't the parent that we want to be. And so I think just remembering that again and again can be really helpful so that we're less likely to go into that self-judgment or that sort of criticism of ourselves um, for not being the parent that we want to be. And I think it's really helpful to come back again and again to our, um, being more aware, I guess, of what our unmet needs are and you know, that might be needs for connection and support. It might be needs for rest and relaxation. It might be needs for community and connection. It might be needs. I mean, there's all kinds of needs that we all have. And increasingly becoming aware of that and just identifying what our biggest unmet need is at the moment is a really beautiful place to start. And often we have this imagining that really our needs could only be met if we went on holiday to the Maldives for two weeks and, and just rested by ourselves away from our <laughs> children, which of course would be wonderful, but that's just not the reality. And it's also true that just you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour of care for ourselves makes a phenomenal difference. Like you said, it takes our nervous system out of this chronically hyper aroused state of fight flight that so many of us are in all the time and takes our nervous system back into some sense of balance. So what I always try to support people to do is to understand it more and then to identify what their biggest unmet needs might be. And to then acknowledge how painful it is to have unmet needs and how, how big an impact that has on us. And then just finding small ways to, to get support. So it might be, you know, having a having a swap with another family where you look after each other's children for an hour or two so that you can go for a walk on the beach by yourself. It might be having a massage once a month. It might be doing a yoga class. It might just be five minutes with a cup of tea, barefoot outside in the sunshine and actually like being really mindful and deliberate about how you're doing it. And for me, what I always do is if I get to the end of the day and I've done nothing for myself which is often the case, especially when you've got young children, 
um, I will listen to a beautiful guided massage, a beautiful guided meditation as I'm falling asleep. So that I just try to do one small thing for myself each day that nourishes my body and makes me feel good. Awesome, that's so good. It's, it is just little uh, self care snacks, isn't it? If we could think of it like that, like it's so true to think that we could be off in the Maldives for a couple of weeks, but that's not really going to help us long term. So I love the, those little five minute. Uh, self-care snacks. That's really good advice, Joss. So empathy, compassion, they seem to be like the secret sauce uh, in parenting. So how do you guide parents to cultivate these qualities within themselves and how can they extend this to their children and partners even when it feels like it's the toughest of times? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an ongoing process. Um, it's an ongoing process learning how to do this. I think the empathy really comes from learning how to listen, as I spoke about at the beginning. But I think it's also helpful to acknowledge that it's like learning a new language because this is not a language that we learnt. Most of us weren't responded to in our childhood with compassion or empathy. Most of us didn't receive it. So we don't really know what it sounds like or what it feels like. And it's just as we would learning any other language, it takes practice and it takes commitment and it takes being surrounded by that language to really get fluent in it. So I think one of the things that's super helpful is to be connecting with other people who are also wanting to offer this to their children because then you learn from each other what it feels like to receive this kind of language. And when you reach out with something that's difficult for you and somebody responds to you with this deep, compassionate, empathic response, you really feel in your body what that what that's like. And that helps you to then embody this language for yourself. And often it's also about unlearning old ways of speaking. And that might be old ways of speaking to ourselves that we have internalized from having received that kind of harshness and criticism ourselves, whether that was from our parents or, or from school or wherever we got that. But instead, it's it's learning that we can actually change our internal dialogue and start to speak to ourselves when we focus on this and, and really want this without harshness, without criticism, but instead with deep kindness and deep compassion. And of course, it's also being aware of the fact that we are surrounded by this cultural conditioning and shoulds particularly about motherhood, about what the perfect mother looks like, about what we should be doing. We should be able to do it all. We should be able to be the perfect parent. We should have perfect children. And so as soon as we start to find ourselves shoulding ourselves and using that word, it's a really beautiful invitation to choose to do it differently and to choose to stop shoulding ourselves and to change the way that we are speaking. And yeah, I think receiving the compassion allows us to learn what that sounds like and then offering compassion to our children and seeing how helpful it is for them to be spoken to and responded to in this way also makes it more likely that we're then going to talk to ourselves in that way. And it's often we come to this way of parenting, really want to be wanting to be offering our children a different, a different type of childhood. Um, but at the same time, we are punishing ourselves and we are being harsh to ourselves. And so it's really 
learning that if we want to be not punishing our children, if we want to be offering our children unconditional love, it really also asks of us to be doing the same for ourselves. So that involves things like, you know, speaking to yourself just as you would to your best friend. I mean, the way most of us speak to ourselves, we would never speak to our friends like that. I I would never say to you, Helen, some of the things I used to say to myself. So, you know, it's, it's having that perspective offering ourselves a sense of forgiveness and self-acceptance and acknowledgement for how hard things are and how normal it is to make mistakes and to get things wrong and, and again, to accept our our glorious imperfection and, and to be just really kind and understanding to ourselves. I think reaching out for support is incredibly important. Uh, we can't do this on our own. So finding spaces to get support from people who are on the same journey, who who are understanding this kind of approach and wanting to offer this to our children is really important. And and this self-care thing as well, like bringing in practices that support us to have a deeper sense of unconditional self-love means taking care of ourselves. So that might be yeah, like meditation or so on. It might also be journaling and exploring our thoughts and, and our beliefs and then really unpacking how true they are. Like, is that really true? Is that really what I believe? Or is that just what was conditioned into me to, to believe like that? And actually then can I make a mindful choice to be have more closely aligned with what I truly believe, not what I was conditioned to, to say about myself? Um, taking time to rest is incredibly important. And yes, it Offering, offering this to our children, offering it to ourselves, learning to offer that then to our partners. Um, and, and then we, we can start to offer that wider too. So we can offer really compassionate responses to our parents. We might be, you know, to our boss, to the person down the street, to, you know, to everybody. And then like bigger picture as well, like the world, how can we bring, you know, really what we can see is the world needs more compassion and kindness mm. and understanding in the world, particularly right now with what's going on. So it, it sort of starts at this micro level with our children and then it, it expands and ripples out to how we speak to ourselves, how we speak to our partners, and then how do we speak to everybody else in our lives too. But it's a practice and it's a it's an ongoing thing and we really need to be receiving that empathy and those spaces to share all the big feelings that come up for us on a day-to-day basis and to have that heard and and received with compassion for us then to be able to start to do it for ourselves and everybody else too. Yeah, and being the change you want to see, even if you have a partner who thinks all of this is airy-fairy and fluffy and what's wrong with a good old bit of discipline and all that kind of thing. I think a lot of of people that I talk to, that's kind of like the husband's stance, so... Um, yeah, trust that there's a way a way through that. And, and you know, you you, do, you have mentioned how aware parenting invites us to explore and heal our own childhood wounds. So how does this personal healing contribute to creating a more harmonious family dynamic? And for parents especially who are just starting off on this self-exploration, what advice do you have for them? Well, it's interesting what you were saying about husbands. And of course, this is a a massive generalization, but often men in our culture grow up in this really toxic culture where they are taught that 
expressing feelings is a sign of weakness and that love is withdrawn from them or they're punished if they express any feelings. Big boys don't cry, that kind of toxic messaging. And so most men come to parenthood having never had their feelings heard at all. They've never had a safe space to truly express what's in their heart. And instead, they've had a lifetime of having to suppress their emotions. So of course, they often have big feelings in response to their children. And of course, Uh, Sometimes this kind of compassionate response touches things deeply inside them that feel really uncomfortable. So it's quite normal for for men to come with uh, a reluctance to exploring some of this stuff. But I think with Aware Parenting, it really invites us on this sort of parallel journey of parenting our children and also reparenting ourselves. And even if we've had lots of therapy, lots of counseling, all of those sorts of things before coming a parent, it's only really being in relationship with our children and their behaviors that is going to touch these deep parts of ourselves, these deep wounded parts of ourselves that otherwise wouldn't be touched in our lives. And so there's nothing quite like having children to really find yourself going into big triggers sometimes and really big activations, often in response to quite small things from our kids. And there's this beautiful quote from Scott Noel who says, you know that you're face-to-face with the unfinished business of your own childhood when you respond to your children's behavior with big, big reactions. And of course, often... We, because we didn't receive this, often our children's behavior will will touch these these parts in ourselves that have never been heard. Um, and we most of us have a, have a lifetime of of tears and accumulated stress and trauma that we never got to release. Um, and so, yeah, this parenting journey really invites us again and again to be exploring that for ourselves and to be reaching out for support. And Elisa says, Elisa Salter says, like the best thing that you can do for your children is to find places where you can be heard and you can explore your own stuff from your own childhood. That's more important than ever listening to your children. It's more important than playing with your children. It's more important than anything else because mm. this is an inevitable part of parenthood. And I think it's really helpful with people who I work with, again, to come back to that list of three things that we can see as always underneath behavior. That's our children's behavior and our behavior too. The first is our thoughts. The second is our, our needs. And the third is our feelings. And so it's really helpful to find places where we can explore our thoughts, where we can dive into what our beliefs and our imprints are and our conditioning and to explore, as I said, like how much of that is true still? Like, is that really what you believe? And is there a way that you can align yourself more with thoughts that are more and beliefs that are more conducive for how you want to be living? Getting support in that process is really important. And then, yeah, we've already talked a bit about meeting needs and how important that is. And the third is, you know, all the different ways that we can find to support ourselves with our feelings. And that might be, you know, journaling, that might be having sessions with a therapist or with an aware parenting instructor or doing courses. It might be you know, doing somatic body work. It might be having spaces where you can just cry and support yourself to release your feelings. It's really, really important for us to reconnect with how, you know, to cry. Like most of us 
have probably not cried much in our lives or not with a lot of support anyway. And, and the crying is such an important way of, of releasing feelings. So finding safe spaces to really share what's in our heart. One of the core aspects of aware parenting too is setting up what we call listening partnerships, which is a way where we connect with somebody who's also on this journey and we offer just deep listening to each other. No advice, no, um, you know, no, in, just quiet holding space while that other person offloads all the things that they're feeling. And so that's something that I've done for the last 17, 18 years that I've been doing this way of parenting. And I still get together with my listening partner for half an hour for me to share with her and half an hour for her to share with me every week, pretty much on the phone. And in addition, I send out voice notes to two of my aware parenting colleagues and they will listen and respond when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, all of these things are really, really helpful. And of course, the other thing to bring in is is play and laughter, which is also very important for healing our stuff. Mm. So reconnecting with what brings us joy, doing the things that we love, laughing, getting together with friends and, and having fun, you know, sharing jokes, watching funny movies, you know, all of these sorts of things are really, really important too. So it's uh, can often be a very painful journey. And, and often we think that like, I mean, healing is just this ongoing process, right? It's not something that we ever get to the end of. But I think with parenting and the reparenting aspect, it's really helpful just to keep coming back to moments when we are having big reactions to our children and seeing that as an opportunity to go in and to give some love and some reparative experiences to the parts of us that are coming up for some compassionate attention in that moment. And yeah, often it requires us to be receiving help and support externally to be able to go through these processes. It's quite hard to do all this sort of stuff on our own. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've had lots of support and I continue to do so in, in this journey. And I think it's, it's, an, it's an amazing opportunity, but it's also can be deeply painful and and really big but often you know something will happen with our kids and it will bring up big stuff in us and now instead of just like pushing that down ignoring it or you know pretending it's not happening i really see it as a wow okay what's coming up for me what's what's for me in this and bringing some curiosity and some just just some moments of of open exploration to what might be there and if necessary getting support to do that amazing amazing Joss you are amazing I'm so lucky to have you as one of my besties in town that I mm. can um, talk to but if people want to work with you Joss or want to follow you where's the best places start with tell, tell us where the best places to follow you are and then if people want to work with you how can they do that Oh, thank you, lovely. Yes, yeah, so, um, and I, I'm so grateful for your beautiful friendship in my life too. Um, so my website is awareparenting.com.au and I also share on social media on Instagram and Facebook as Aware Parenting with Joss. If people want to learn more, Aletha Salter has written five amazing books. Um, Marion Rose has written some amazing, two amazing books too. So there's lots of beautiful books out there too. Um, if people want to work with me, I do one-to-one -one sessions. I do sessions with both parents when there's some disagreements or difficulties coming to the same page in parenting that comes up quite often. 
I have some courses on my website. One is uh, Aware Parenting with Teenagers, and the other is about partnering to Aware Parenting together in partnership with your partner or co-parent. I offer workshops on Aware Parenting, and I have a couple of podcasts about Aware Parenting too. One's Aware Parenting Stories, and the other is Aware Parenting and Natural Learning, because I'm also really passionate about homeschooling too. And... I also have some communities where people can join and come into a sort of year-long, supportive, connected exploration of all of this. So I've got lots of articles and I've got a free course on my website too. So there's lots of free information there too if people want to explore a little bit more. Cool. So that's all on awareparenting.com.au and the links will be in the show notes as well. Now we are doing a really cool giveaway for the next week from when this show gets released. So Joss is very kindly giving away a free 30-minute parenting consultation for one family, and I'll be throwing in some primal alternative goodies. Now, you have been a primal alternative customer from like dead dot, right, like when I was first. (laughs) So what do you think we should add in? Like let's let's check in a couple of primal alternative products. What shall we put, put in? Fruit toast? Just like oh, it's got to be fruit toast because that's my all-time <laughs> favourite. It's got to be that. But I uh, also really love the cookies. And, yeah, let's, let's go cookies and uh, cookies fruit, and fruit toast. toast. All right, job done. All right, well, thank you so much. Seriously, as I mentioned at the start of the show, what you've taught me has really came at the right time for me with, with my teenagers and um, really transformed the relationship from you know from just being i don't know like i didn't really realize there could be so it could be so so much more depth from just being like a mum who kind of like just sort of saw them at dinner time you know and and kind of nagged them to get their jobs done you know um so it's nice it sort of feels like indulgent almost to have such a great relationship and to have those one-on-one days and special times with my kids but like why not like the relationship and then the whole family dynamic is just so much more um enhanced from from all of it so i love i love your work i'm so stoked to share you on the podcast and i really know that your message is going to resonate with so many families and and really support them too so thank you joss thanks so much helen it's such a pleasure always talking to you thank you for sharing If you want to learn how to create and sell nutritious, honest food, help more people, be part of a supportive community, and start your own home business that's in alignment with your highest values, then the Primalista license is for you. Head over to primalalternative.com to find out how this works. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.